On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are talking pop culture, but more specifically, we are talking gangster movies. We are welcoming on Coulter and Hughes to put together our list of the five best gangster movies. Now, we've got some obvious ones. We've made some rules here because Godfather and Godfather Part 2 would obviously be on every person's list. They're perfect movies in every sense of the way. So we're doing the next five. You can call it our top seven if you want, but we're going to throw out there some rules that make sense about what counts as a gangster movie. Can a gangster movie be about cops? Can a gangster movie be about pulling a job rather than organized crime and mafia life? We're discussing all of that. We're putting together five movies. I think we all did a great job. Really nice lists here, so stay tuned for episode 75 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent. Let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Joining us tonight for a very special edition, we've got our insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. It's it's fun to now talk about sports, do a little pop culture. Uh, gangster movies have been easily my favorite genre other than probably war throughout my life, so... It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Very much uh, ready to talk about this. And we're also welcoming on our very own Philly Boston insider, <laughs> Bill Hughes. How you doing, What's going man? On? I'm doing well, man. It's good to be with you guys. I'm excited to talk a little movies. I feel like it, um, it has been a while since uh, I kind of revisited one of these uh, movie lists. And so it was fun to kind of take a run at it. Yeah. Now, Bill, as my college roommate, I got to say you did get me onto some movies that I had not seen before I was in college. So I think I owe a little debt of gratitude for, for introducing me to some of these movies. No, I appreciate that. And I also, uh, I, I feel like I um, gained some of my love for gangster movies and some of the ones that maybe didn't make my list that were, uh, on, I'm interested to see if we're on your list uh, that, that I definitely saw for the first time. So, um, so yeah, right back at you, man. Oh, absolutely. So let's kind of get into it. So if everyone isn't aware why we're doing this, a couple weeks ago, Stephen King put out a tweet being like, hey, besides The Godfather, what are your best gangster movies? And Twitter went off. There was just all kinds of responses. It was very interested. Coulter, did you see some of the uh, the tweets and things going back and forth with uh, Stephen King? Yeah, I mean, who would have thought Stephen King would have united us during the quarantine? But that was a perfect uh, Twitter poll that he started there. Just ideal. I mean, a cross-section of pop culture, top five list making, and just the right time uh, in terms of where we were in the quarantine. Obviously, things have opened up a little bit since then. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that for at least two nights and have since toyed with my top five probably more than I care to admit on this podcast. Yeah, and we're going to go through some of our, uh, our rules that we've got here because I made my top 10 just my favorite top 10 movies of all time list just to check. And four were direct gangster movies, and maybe two more you could kind of give like the 
included in them as kind of the fringe gangster movie. So, you know, we had to go through this. But uh, before we do that, Bill, I know our movie uh, interests are very similar here. So have gangster movies always been kind of your favorite genre of movie? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think when we, we kind of grew up in the golden age of these movies. I think we had our parents who told us about the Godfather, Godfather two that came out, you know, a little bit back in the day and kind of the gold standard, which we're not going to include in this list, which I think makes a lot of sense. But I do think that we, we kind of came up in, and some of, you know, obviously I think we're going to talk about directors, but in some of the, you know, the best gangster movies that, that came out, came out right when we were probably consuming the most amount of, of cinema in terms of, uh, in terms of our youth. So, um, I do think those were the ones that were fun to see when we were maybe a little too young for a rated R movie. Um, but I, I also think, you know, as we go through this list, I think it's going to show you that times change. Um, but this genre of movie has stayed a favorite, not only for, for Americans and for the people that, that go to the theaters, but I think also for people who really were aficionados back in the day. So, um, so I do, I do think it's probably my favorite genre of movie because I think as you pose the question, and as we kind of go through the rules, there are so many movies I didn't even think of that, that I considered as gangster movies during this conversation. Um, so that was a fun piece of it too, is that, you know, it's not just the typical mob movie that fits this category. It goes all over the place from cop movies to gangster movies. to I've got an interesting one that I think will be kind of funny um, from a comedy. You know, I think, think there were some good comedies that could have been potentially, I mean, I didn't consider them in my top five, but I think as I made the list, there was, there were some great gangster comedy movies. I have a comedy in, in my number 10 spot and it, I had to go through several hoops and, and, and kick off some of my favorite movies ever just to get it in there. But I think it's deserving. So comedies definitely work in this genre. I agree with Bill. I like that. Now, Coulter, you I feel like you've got good takes on these things. Why do you think gangster movies uh, has, have been around for so long? And why do you think people are always so drawn to the gangster movie genre? Well, I think uh, to Bill's point, when you guys were growing up and, well, I, you know, lesser extent, I'm a little younger than you guys. But, you know, the gangster movie obviously hit its kind of apex mountain with The Godfather and Godfather 2. But then it kind of went away. And then in the 90s, it just erupted again. You have Goodfellas, Carlito's Way. You have uh, Miller's Crossing, Casino. Uh, you have so many great movies in the 90s that come out. Road to Perdition comes out, in, I think, in 2000. Snatch is 2000. Uh, you have Boondock Saints in 2000, but that 10-year stretch is like, uh, you have A Bronx Tale. I mean, there's so many good movies, Blood In, Blood Out from that decade, uh, Usual Suspects, Heat, I mean, Reservoir Dogs, and Pulp Fiction, I think I already named it. I mean, there's just so many, King of New York. So that 10-year stretch, talk about revitalizing something that was already an iconic part of American cinema, the gangster movie, and then you add on 10 years of just A-plus dynamite movies to what already was uh, something that people cherished and loved. Yeah. And you made a good point there with some of these directors and coming up in the, the heyday in the 90s. But we'll, let's pump that because I'm sure we're going to cover them as we get to our movies. So let's kind of go over the ground rules that we threw out for this uh, because there's a couple of the just kind of like obvious things that need to be covered. And then a few, I think, interesting little wrinkles that we're using to make our list here. So the first one is we are not going to include The Godfather and The Godfather 2 in our top five, because let's be honest, if they are not in your top five, you are not worthy of giving us a gangster movie take. It's just plain and simple. So we're essentially doing those two movies, then the next five. Should we do a little bit on The Godfather 1 and 2 here? Is this where we should kind of talk a little bit about it? To me, and I, I put a little note in here, 
it seems like the Godfather was like kind of the, the birth of modern cinema. And obviously there's tons of great movies before that, but to me, I can rewatch the Godfather right now. And that doesn't feel like a, you know, 40, 50 year old movie that feels like it's very present in like today's movie making. So Coulter, what is it? And, and more specifically, do you really remember the first time you watched either Godfather or Godfather part two? Yeah, first time I watched The Godfather, I was 10 years old. Um, you know, I would be lying if I would say I understood what was going on. But I think, you know, some of the things that stood out to me in that movie is is the, the tension that is built through the camera throughout. You're talking about the hospital scene uh, with Michael when he's got to protect his father. Uh, you're talking about this, uh, you know, the scene where he obviously blows away uh, the police captain in the Italian restaurant. I mean, these are things that stay in your mind you're, when you're a 10 year old kid and you're seeing that kind of violence for the first time. But then also, you know, the crescendo of the movie, uh, you know, where he plots the killings at the end and it all kind of comes together. But uh, there's just so much there. There's so much text in The Godfather. And that's not even bringing in The Godfather 2, which, you know, I think we're going to be kind of alluding to throughout every movie that we talk to because, you know, in this discussion, because I think The Godfather 2, what it shows is that this there's no real way to tell this story straightforward. You know, crime is complicated. How you get into crime is complicated and the Godfather two and how it interweaves the two storylines and how it plays with time to create this saga of American history and this family's history. Um, it's poetic and it's beautiful. And it's something that I think every director, uh, has tried to copy and emulate since not just in this genre, but in everything, um, in terms of just playing with the narrative structure of a movie, um, you know, you look at a Pulp Fiction where it's basically all, you know, cut up and not in order. Um, then you look at some of the Godfather too. It's it's just revolutionary the way that the, that the movie plays with time. Yeah, it really a does a great job of it. I just love seeing. I mean, there's so many iconic scenes in that one, but really the trajectory of Michael Corleone in one as he kind of like is working up from coming back from the war. It's all of a sudden he's like the centerpiece of this, you know, epic mafia war. So then to two where you get Vito coming up as the gangster kind of parallels Michael in one, but then you get Michael in two, which is just like the antithesis of like how to, how to just become completely evil, lose every cent. And, and that's a theme in all these gangster movies that I freaking love. But Bill, let me put you on the hot spot here real quick. If you yeah. had to pick, what do you like better? Godfather one or Godfather two? Um, man, that is a tough one. Uh, so I'm going to go with Godfather two. Uh, I think the reason being, so I have read the book. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and call myself the most avid reader in the world, but I do think that in the fir- in the book, the callbacks to Italy were some of the coolest parts of the book. And I think f- putting those more into the movie in the second time around and getting De Niro in the mix, um, just makes that movie. Um, yeah, it's just, just to me, it's the, it's the superior one. Yeah, Coulter, what about you? You know, I think I fluctuate. It's like we've talked about the TV shows. It's like I fluctuate every time I watch it. Um, So I have most recently watched Godfather 2, and so that would be my choice. Um, I think you have the all-time greatest film performance by Al Pacino in that movie, and you've got an incredible supporting turn with De Niro. Uh, And again, I just love the way that it cuts through both timelines, and you get to see his rise. Uh, you know, it, it never loses you no matter, you know, how long it is. I mean, the story with him and Fredo is so engaging. And then he's got that really, really beautiful scene with his mom towards the end too, where he basically goes and sees her. 
and he that almost parallels his dialogue with the with his dad in the first one. Uh, and I guess one of the things I love about these two movies is they have those kind of quieter moments uh, where Michael talks to his parents, and there's just so much wisdom that it's passed on. Um, and yeah, I just love both of them so much. I would give a slight edge to Godfather Two, though. It's it's just yeah. what I've seen more recently. It's and it's so superior in, in the way that it it really builds off the epic uh, kind of storytelling of a family. I think uh, that Godfather Two may be a better movie, but I think I enjoy watching one a little bit better. Just the the quotes, the scenes. Uh, you know, one of my favorite lines is at the end with Tessio, where he goes, "Listen, tell Mike." It's nothing personal. It was just business. I mean, it's just a great scene. There's so many of those great scenes. So I think that's where I'm going to lean towards where I, I, I enjoy watching Godfather one a little bit better, but probably think two from start to finish is a better movie. Well, you don't uh, have to deal with evil Michael too, which is I think right. an important thing too. It's like in one, he's so innocent and then he gains the power and then you really don't see him in, in that dark light until the final frame of the movie. And then you're like, Oh, okay. I see where we're yeah. going with this. But really, yeah, I, I mean, you can watch that movie 10 times and never once be like, oh, Michael's a bad guy. Like, he's not a bad guy in that movie. And then at the very end, you kind of see, you know, the devil's on his shoulder. Yeah, and I think I do I do agree with that. I think the first movie really didn't give you anybody to root against. Like, I feel like you you root you, – it's one of those movies – and again, a lot of these movies we'll talk about, well, they do the same thing. They get you to root for the bad guy. I don't know if that's just like an American trope that we all love to do, but these movies in particular, especially gangster movies, you want the bad guy to win despite the evil, despite the destruction. There's still something about it that you, they're able to portray that redeeming quality in humans and in the struggle to build families, to build empires, like all that stuff. And it is, it is an interesting part of this where I do agree. Like the, the Godfather one has this, like, uh, it's just like this purity to it where you just, you just want things to work out and, and to understand why it is the way that it is. Incredible point, Bill. And you see that carry over with like the Sopranos and Breaking Bad and all these shows where it's like they make the bad guy be the person you root for, the protagonist. So it's an incredible move. Uh, okay, so that was rule number one. Now, rule number two, and this is what I think makes these lists or this list very challenging, is we're only allowing one movie per director. Because let's be honest, I don't know about you guys, but I, I could have put four to five Scorsese movies on my list and felt perfectly fine with it. So I think that adds a nice little wrinkle on to this one. Uh, but let's, let's, let's talk about some of these directors here, because obviously Scorsese, you got Coppola, uh, Bill, you know, what about like some guys like Guy Ritchie? Uh, are there any other directors that you think maybe are either being slept on or should so, be so, uh, mentioned? I'm going to... Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal. I guess maybe what maybe is the easy one. I think Tarantino portrays the the mentality of this. I think Reservoir Dogs uh, is one of the one of my favorite movies of all time. Ser- easily my favorite soundtrack. Anybody that hasn't listened to the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, I know that might be a thing for someone, um, to, you know, very kind of hipsterish. But like any at the same time, really good movie. Same with Pulp Fiction. I mean, I think the way that he that he was able to build movies around dialogue around not always just showing you um you know kind of the thing you were expecting to see but really giving you um the tug and pull of what might be a real kind of situation that would that would play out anywhere um i think i think i'd go with with tarantino um i think guy Ritchie too i mean obviously um i think walk talk and snatch kind of changed my perspective on what it was like to make a movie um that had a payoff that you really felt like 
was worth it. Um, and so I think, I think either though, I don't mean to steal two, but I, I guess I, if I'm going with one other than Scorsese, I'm going with Tarantino. What about you, Coulter? Yeah, I can't go against QT, but uh, to add in one that I, you know, kept coming across while creating my list and re-editing my list that I want to just give a shout out to because he's got three really great ones is Brian De Palma. Um, I know Scarface, Scarface has been kind of a punching bag for film people over the years, but this is still an incredibly rewatchable and powerful movie with some of the best scenes ever. Uh, talk about a great score in a movie, great pacing, the tension again, the, the way that he does everything at the, towards the end of the movie. Uh, I love the scene where he doesn't kill the guy uh, or doesn't kill the family with the kids and how that backfires on him. It, it, it's a great downfall movie, and De Palma does do a good job with it. And The Untouchables, you know, actually ended up at seven on my list. Is another fantastic movie from the 80s that De Palma did. Talk about an all-time ending of a movie, too. you got the train station scene, um, the shootout there, and then, of course, the courtroom with Capone at the very end. And then, you know, Everybody Loves Carlito's Way, another great Al Pacino movie. So I just wanted to give some shout-out to Brian De Palma. He's not someone that made my top five, but he had three of arguably, what, the top 15, 20 movies of this genre. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys mentioned a lot of the ones that I was going to say, so I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm actually going to throw out the Coen brothers. Ah, uh, uh, that was good when I was thinking. <laughs> because, you know, Miller's Crossing is highly slept on. I think that's one of the the most underrated not gangster here. movies you'll, not here you'll ever not. see. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but then also, I mean, No Country for Old Men, let's be honest, it's not the typical gangster movie. It's more of kind of like a serial killer cop, you know, bad guy. But, I mean, come on. Anton Chigurh has got to be considered a gangster. I mean, he's not... You know, he might have dipped into more of the serial killer role, but the, the way the Coen brothers can write, the way they can kind of like create scenes and tension. And I mean, if we're being completely honest, too, there's a world where you can make Lebowski into kind of this fringe gangster movie, you know? So I, I got to give them a hot shout out. Don't forget Fargo. Yeah, Fargo. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Fargo almost made my list. It's interesting. I, I th- Those were some of the tougher movies of like, it's not really, in my opinion, a gangster movie, but I could understand making the argument. Um, but yep. yeah, Fargo too. Fargo was, um, well, yeah, it just epic. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, I think I think what we find here too, and it kind of tied back nicely to The Godfather, is I think when Coppola set out to make those movies, he was very, um, you know, those movies are so big and great, and they touch on so many things, and they've given us, they've influenced so many people, but they are very straightforward, and that it's at the end of the day, it's a gangster movie, but it's really a, a drama about a family. Whereas something like uh, No Country for Old Men, I mean, that's like a neo-noir uh, Western crime thriller. It's got like 20 different genres packed into it. So then yep. you, you see that with a lot of different uh, Coen Brothers movies is that they're not really interested in just one genre. And, and Tarantino, I think that goes for as well. Yeah, and that makes just great kind of not, not even just standard gangster movies, but kind of fringe ones and just obviously incredible movies. So I'm going to rattle through these next couple of rules. So we got five. I think six total rules, but they're all kind of flow together. So rule number three, a heist movie isn't necessarily a gangster movie. So I'm thinking like Ocean's Eleven, things like that. Or he. Uh, rule two, <coughs> or, oh, man. <laughs> rule He's not on my four, list, so it's all right. God, you guys. All right. Four, crime movies aren't necessarily gangster movies. And what I'm thinking is like Silence of the Lambs or like serial killer kind of cop procedurals that involve – crime doesn't necessarily make it a gangster movie rule number five con men or movies about pulling a job aren't necessarily gangster movies but they 
can be. So again, Ocean's Eleven to me, I don't think of those guys as gangsters, but he, you know, that's we'll save that discussion. And rule number six, a gangster movie doesn't need to be organized crime. It doesn't have to be mafia. doesn't have to be a, a leadership thing. It could just be guys kind of out there. So those are our six kind of framework ground rules. Now, do you guys want to go from five down to one or do you just want to start off with our number one? I see we work backwards. Okay. All right, Bill, then you take it away, man. Give us your number five movie here. All right, so my number five. So I, I will say, and as much as I'd love to talk about all the movies I left off this list, I won't <laughs> do that. But I did leave some off that I thought the main character-ish was a cop. And I only did that because there are so many good movies. So I want to go with movies that I thought where the main character was a criminal or, you know, whatever, gangster. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with number five, a movie from, I think maybe when we were in eighth grade or in high school, I think you Colter might have said 2000, Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints, to me, set the bar for that movie that, like, no one had on their radar at all, right? It didn't even, it did nothing in the theaters. It's a weird Willem Dafoe movie that introduced a bunch of, like, new guys. But, like, there was something about it that oddly was rewatchable. There's something about it that was oddly, I think, part of the, if I could be that good guy vigilante, I would do it. So I think it, you know, at the time it was, yeah, just a, a little bit of a slapstick movie. I don't think the movie itself is is extremely well done. But I mean, I do think, you know, the some of the elements in that movie were really good. I think the part in the beginning, the rule of thumb introduction, maybe it should have been rule of wrist. You know, like there are just some, some there's some comedy in the movie. You know, and then there's just, you know, the idea that maybe a couple of guys who, you know, want to take out a bunch of criminals could do it. I mean, I think Taken, right, might, might be in a similar vein down the line years later. But I thought Boondock Saints um, – Deserve to be on the list and is one that's uh, near and dear to my heart. I like it. Coulter, what do you think? I have such a long list of honorable mentions. I feel guilty now after Bill said he wasn't going to mention his. I do have to, before we go into one, I do want to name the usual suspects as something that I really toyed with trying to put in, the, in my top five. Um, it's a film that's been canceled due to the association with Kevin Spacey, which I don't think is fair. And that's why I wanted to talk about it here because it deprives us of one of the greatest performances in film history and one of the best twist endings I've ever seen. And perhaps more than any other movie than we talk about tonight other than Pulp Fiction, it's the movie that made me fall in love with movies, even more so than The Godfather. Um, but why does it not belong here? It's because it's a neo-noir mystery. It's not a gangster movie just because it shows gangsters in prison. Uh, it's not showing you the life. They're not cooking pasta in jail. It's showing you a job and how these men came uh, together to commit the act they did at the end. So just wanted to put that out there. I do love the usual suspects. Wanted to give it a shout. And now I'm going to pivot to my top, uh, top five. Number five is city of God from, for, from Fernando, uh, me Ray Lays. I, I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. Obviously, um, it does a lot of the same things we were talking about with Godfather 2. This is a story over time, two decades. It's the end of the 60s, into the 70s, and beginning of the 80s. You've got different factions within, um, obviously, Rio de Janeiro. And the reason why I really love this movie is because it just, it was the first movie that opened up my eyes that there's like a world larger than, you know, Connecticut, that there's larger world than the United States, that there's drugs that get dealt, and that there's kids that shoot guns at each other in other parts of the world. Um, and it's such a layered story. And again, it, it's the time spent that I really love about this movie. It's, it's so engrossing that it, it, in 100 and 
30 minutes that it tells such a dense story. It's like reading East of Eden. There's just so much stuff that's going on here. Um, and, you know, credit to Mireille's, uh for directing it because he really ties it together beautifully. Yeah, that was one of the uh, most intense movies I've ever seen. I'll be honest, I haven't rewatched that a ton just because it's just it's heavy to take in. You're not going to uh, spend time with Lil Zay on Friday night? It's <laughs> probably <laughs> my ideal spot to be. Um, but I love the choice. Hughes, uh, I'm with you. Boondock Saints was uh, certainly one of the more influential movies I've seen. I just remember in college that being like the it, like underground DVD. It's like, yo, did you see Boondock? And it was just it was, there's something about the vigilantiness aspect of it, the style of it. And then the crazy Defoe just kind of just made it an incredible movie. Uh, you guys threw out some really nice five choices there. Both of those did not make my top five, but I cannot say that those are uh, bad choices at all. Mine is a little bit controversial here. Not going to lie. I kind of bent a little bit of the rules here and Hughes, you hit on it. Uh, I am picking training day as my number five. And you could say, this is, these are cops. What are you talking about? But I mean, come on. Denzel in that movie as Alonzo is a fucking gangster. I mean, he is doing everything to bend the law. He's killing, he's scheming. He's already got a crew of dirty cops with him that kind of serve as his, uh, his henchmen, including uh, the, I forget his name, but the bad guy in the mask and Dr. Dre. I mean, it's just, I remember watching that movie and being totally floored, uh, not just by Denzel's performance, but by just the level of corruptness and how much he was a gangster, but as a cop and how much he could do with that. It just, to me, was an incredible movie. And I think it deserves a point on here, even, even though it's a cop as the, the bad guy. I no, love I that pick. I love that pick because it's almost the opposite of my entire list. I went for kind of stories that are sprawling over decades and friendships that are, you know, we'll get into the friendship aspect of this in a second, but, uh, you know, rivalries and stuff like that. That's where I go. But train day is so the opposite, but it's also shows that crime can be just one day. It could be, I mean, what, what is violence really? It's just two people in the peak of anger or emotion. You know, it, it, there's no control. So I love the aspect that training day is just, takes place in 24 hours and obviously Antoine Fuqua as a genius I mean that movie is so good I watch it all the time my cousin and I quote it to each other probably more than any other movie so great pick I love it because it's definitely the opposite of where I went with my list but I do love training day yeah and I will say I did kind of skew my list a little bit towards the rewatchability aspect which is just kind of mad but just want to put that out there so Hughes take it away with your number four pick so uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, I'm, I'm going to double up uh, on the Boston. I think the town was one of my favorite, most modern, rewatchable gangster movies. And here's why. I think that it won. I, I think a lot of people, I thought the directorial debut or not, maybe it was a follow-up. I can't remember. Which God, maybe God, that's the first one. Okay. For, so... You know, I think for for Ben, oh yes, that was a while ago. But I thought I thought it was a good movie for Affleck. I thought the movie made, you know, it made the boss experience Charlestown kind of what that nostalgia is about um, about bank robbers and whatnot. Really, really interesting. And I think you know, ultimately, I thought it told a story about a guy who who wanted to get out. I mean, he was looking for a way out. He wanted he wanted that second chance. And and I think I think movies that end where it didn't end perfectly for him, right? I think 
you know, but you don't really know there's, there's some ambiguity there. I think are sometimes the most fun. I think a, a kind of a random appearance by John Hamm. I thought he does a nice job of being um, the asshole cop, uh, which is always necessary in a, in a good gangster movie. Um, but I think too, you know, in terms of capturing Boston. So, I mean, obviously I think if we didn't have the one director rule, um, you know, there, there's been, you know, some other gangster movies you know, that, that took place in Boston that, that were, that were of high quality and maybe did make somebody else's list. Um, <laughs> but I think this one uh, certainly captures uh, a fun, a fun sequence, not to mention the, the back and forth between um, Jeremy Renner and Ben Affleck, I think does, it, it plays, I think it works. I think it, it, it feels, it feels authentic. The Blake Lively stuff's a little weird. I, I mean, I think that that was kind of a little bit of a, a hole in the movie, but at the same time, you know, kind of her presence, uh, I'm never going to complain about it. If I can add something quick, I absolutely love this movie. And you know, I think it really helps this movie is that every gangster movie kind of needs that one guy who's like a ticking time bomb, whether it's Pesci, but in that movie, Renner, Renner plays that perfectly. Yeah, It's perfect. It's the first time I really saw Renner in a movie. and was like, wow, this dude is like, He's an incredible Tom, actor. Tom Sizemore does it in Heat. Yeah, everybody yep. like uh, I'm trying to think. Matson does it in Reservoir Dogs. There's always yep. like one unhinged psychopath. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a consistent through all these gangster movies that Renner nails. So I'm not going to argue with you at all there. Uh, I'll be honest. That fell just outside my list. That hit at my number six movie. So I think it was a good pick. All right, Coulter, okay. what do you got for your number four? Yeah, we uh, hit on it kind of in the uh, beginning part of this. And my number four is Miller's Crossing. And if people that are listening to this podcast have not seen Miller's Crossing, I recommend them turn off this podcast and go rent Miller's Crossing because it is an amazing movie that should be seen by anybody that likes film. It is a classic uh, kind of power struggle between two gang factions. And Gabriel Byrne is kind of just stuck playing uh, the middle of it, basically, during uh, Prohibition. So... Uh, this is just a movie that's so well cast. Byrne should have won the best actor for it. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden is terrific. John Turturro is terrific. John Polito is terrific. Albert Finney is so good as, um, as Leo Bannon, who kind of starts the movie off. Um, yeah, I just, there's not enough things I can, none of good things I can say about this movie. Um, one of the greatest movies ever made and just a gangster classic. Uh, I think I was going to say that's, that's in my top five. It's a great pick, and uh, I do think there's going to be people listening to this that have never seen it. So definitely go out and go see that one. Uh, Gabriel Byrne, you know, you mentioned him in, in Usual Suspects. He hits a, a home run here in this movie as well. But John Turturro is one of those kind of like supporting actors. You know, I don't think – well, maybe. Maybe Rounders is in somebody's list here. But, like, he just kind of plays another kind of like, you know, fringe guy out there. So, you know, Turturro as one of those kind of supporting actors is great. Uh, the execution scene, I'm not going to give it away in case uh, yeah. in oh, case you so haven't seen it. But it, it's it's one of the best execution scenes I've ever seen in a gangster movie. So kudos, Coulter. That is a uh, fantastic yeah, pick right there. I love I'm – a, I'm a, I just love period pieces and I love anything with a rivalry that's kind of like years in the making and Miller's Crossing, City of God. Those are the kind of movies that really speak to me. And it goes back to the Godfather thing. It, it, look at Godfather too. It's like that rivalry he kept as a little boy and brought it with him to America, and that fury that he kept within him ends up birthing a whole empire of crime. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, for my number four, I'm going more traditional. And for me, what I love about this movie is it shows a different slice of true organized Italian mafia life 
And I am going with a Bronx Tale as my number four. Oh, I knew it. Movie. I knew it. I knew this was gonna make this was the movie. <laughs> that is now a you dark can't horse. Leave. Now, now you can't, can't leave. leave. Come on, that is an iconic scene, one of the greatest gangster mafia scenes ever. You got Chaz Palminteri, and this is based off his life. Uh, just and what I really enjoy about this one is that he's not. He's not a, a the the boss. He's just a guy who kind of runs a neighborhood, and it shows the other guys in his crew, but also shows the kids growing up in that neighborhood and how they look up to these gangsters. Uh, and just the role of Sonny is is so good. There's so many things. There's the the pinky point thing that he does, the craps game that he's playing. But what I also love too is you got De Niro kind of subverting his his gangster history and playing the straight kind of dad, kind of blue collar bus driver guy. So you got iconic scenes and then come on to finish it off at the end. You got Pesci showing up at the end of the movie and sees talking to him. He's like, Hey, was that all really about a parking spot? And he goes, no kid. No, it was not about a parking spot. If you ever need anything, you come see me. Come on, come on. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, all right. It's a great movie. I'm going to, th- I'm going to have a quick take on this. I do think it's my least favorite great gangster movie. And I don't even know what that means, but at the same time, for some reason, there's parts of it. where it just stalls for me. Like I, I, I think that there's a few scenes, there's a few things, but I will say to your point, now you can't leave. And I think there's an, there's, is that, that is the story where he tell he tells the kind of analogy about loaning someone money and then never seeing them again. Yeah. And like what's, yeah. So I will say there are some things that have stuck with me from that movie that I think have been, like kind of lessons learned that are kind of interesting and same thing about the car at the end. But I don't know. I, it, it's one of those movies where sometimes I watch it and I'm like, I, it's just not my favorite. This is me. That's fine. There are parts that drag. Coulter, what do you think on that one? I love it. I honestly did not think any of us would put Bronx tale. I, I it's a bold pick because I didn't, I didn't see it happening because there's just so many other great gangster movies that I thought it would be kind of put, put away, but I'm happy that it made one of our lists. I'm also happy that we didn't go six gangster movies without doing a Robert De Niro movie because that was getting a little problematic yeah, there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great True. choice. And I love uh, the fact that it's based on Chaz's life. Yeah. Um, there's a trueness to it, a real lived inness that I don't think any other gangster movie really had um, other than Goodfellas, which I think is, I think, the most like lived in gangster movie ever. But yeah. I think uh, Bronx Tale is definitely right up there in terms of like you can feel this is the truth you know this is right. this is the life and that's sopranos i should say but that's not fair i mean sopranos right. is totally different that's, that's not fair but yeah the, the details of the, like the guys in the street the life the everyday life right of these guys life is like just yep. me caught so it's uh, beautiful right, yeah. no, it, it's great it's a great movie all right what do you got for number three billy all right i got i'm going a little bit different so this one was a movie that for me it was a little bit, I think maybe in the vein of kind of some of the movies Coulter's been talking about, but but it did tell a story that I felt like was worth telling, but also had an interesting emotion to it, which is Eastern Promises. Um, Viggo Mortensen uh, turns in a performance that, I, I don't know, they're, like it just humanized a different type of gangster movie for me, right? Like I feel like I, I sometimes think of the John Wick type like action gangster movies when I think of Russian crime movies that that, you know, I've, I've enjoyed things like that. Um, you know, but I did think Eastern promises, like there are some scenes in that movie that I, I just think have never been put like, I mean, I don't want to say the naked fight scene. That scene was insane. <laughs> um, yeah. 
<laughs> but like there were some scenes in that movie that you I can't just say there's never been a movie that had a naked fight scene quite like that. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. And but I, I I don't know that movie for me was was kind of a really um, an interesting look at, at at a different type of uh, of gangster movie. Colter, what do you think on that one? You know, similar to a Bronx Tale, I had both of those in my honorable mention, you know, Eastern Promises and Bronx. I didn't think we'd get to either of them. I'm very happy though we're shining light on David Cronenberg. He's a phenomenal director. And yeah, I mean, one of Vigo's best, if not his best performance, I can't really think of what I like Vigo in even more than Eastern Promises. Um, I also like the Easternness of it. You know, a lot of these gangster movies are New York based Italian. Uh, you know, we're going to get to the Italian, I'm sure here in a, in a bit. Um, but it, there is a, there is a new like cultural flair to it. That is, uh, that's nice that you don't see in all these movies. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that was a movie I was pleasantly surprised by. I, I watched it not expecting much and coming out of being like, wow, that, that was a hell of a movie. I've got it as one of my honorable mentions, Vigo, anytime you can get Vigo kind of in this badass role, it, it's just, it, it's, it's great. Well, what was that movie where he was out in like the boonie or he was out in like middle America when he ended up, was that, oh uh, yeah. History of violence. Yes. yes. That movie. Yes. That that movie. I didn't. I didn't like History of Violence as much as I like Eastern Promises, I'll admit. Yeah, but agreed. Uh, agreed. Yeah. I'll also admit I saw History of Violence when I was like 14 or 15 and haven't revisited it, so it's probably due for a revisit. <laughs> um, but you got to also love uh, Eastern Promises' great cast with Naomi Watts and Vincent yeah. Castle. Uh, Big fan. In addition to Vigo. So, I mean, that, that's just a well-rounded movie in terms of the actors. Yep. All right, Coulter, what do you got for your number three? You know, this is what this is where it gets tough because you wish all these movies were higher on your list. Um, there is definitely a case for this to be number one. There's a case for this to be number one over even arguably the Godfathers in this list. Once Upon a Time in America from Sergio Leone is the gangster movie, uh, is the epic crime drama. Um, Robert De Niro, James Woods talk about a rivalry that lasts over decades. Um, again, it's just a it's a time thing. You know, it's, you're with them for so long. I think you're with them in 19, you're with them. You're basically during world war one. And then the outsets of world war two in like the mid 1930s. So that you see a whole lifespan of these kids growing up together. And obviously the director's cuts 250 minutes. I think we all know the controversial history of it getting completely slaughtered by Hollywood and down to, I think it was like 120 minutes. Uh, if anybody has that much time and the quarantine is definitely good for this, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, again, talk about another great bench. Pesci's in it. Burt Young is in it. Uh, you know, you get so many great characters. Woods is, I can't say enough good things about James Woods in this movie. He's so good. Um, yeah, as noodles. So, all right. I should say De Niro's noodles, obviously. Um, so, and then Max is James Woods. So, that's just one of my all-time favorite movies and uh, must-watch for anyone who likes this genre of movies. So you guys both know me. This is the one. This is my scarlet letter. I have not seen this. This is the movie. one that got away. And you know what's wild is that I knew that this was like a movie I wanted to watch during quarantine. I've searched. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Amazon. It's not on Hulu. I couldn't find this anywhere because I wanted to finish them and watch just – I think like years ago I started it and just was like, eh. It's a long set. Yeah. But they had it on Netflix. They had it on Netflix when I was in college and that's when I watched it. I don't know where it it went. It recently got pulled off because I Googled this and I think it got 
pulled in like February or January is when it lost its license rights on Netflix. I tried so hard to watch this. So this is my scarlet letter. I'm on this. I'm telling you guys, I've seen almost every great classic movie, every shitty movie, every like, you know, just movie in general. This is the one I haven't seen. So a hand up there. Uh, I need to see this one. I, yeah. and, I, and I'll be honest. I, it's been a long time. I mean, I feel like I saw it right. Probably when we were in college at some point, um, as it, as I was, uh, a lot more into movies and, and definitely was on a lot of people's, you know, kind of top hundred list, top, top 50 list of, of all time movies. Um, and obviously the director, uh, it's, it's interesting, brings up an interesting point of whether we would consider Westerns to be gangster movies. I didn't include any Westerns on mine. Um, I did think about, um, when we were talking about directors, about a lot of those Western movies and the idea that the outlaw Josie Wells, you know, and some of these other characters were, were technically the gangsters of their time. But, um, but once upon a time in America is definitely, uh, it definitely takes you through a period of time um, that allows you to see, you know, a, a true evolution of the characters of this country of a lot of different things. Um, and the corruption is, any, too. Yeah. Anybody who likes history, anybody who's interested in, in period people, like it's, it, it, it's, it's worth seeing. It's just, it is, it does take a while. I mean, like for, for all intents and purposes, but um, sometimes, you know, some of the best movies do. And I think that that's why those double VHS cassettes from way back. In the, <laughs> yeah. For the hot, the hot thing to come by. <laughs> Cut that soundbite out for Twitter. Sometimes Seriously. the best movies are the ones that, yeah, the, the longer ones. That's this movie is just like it's a fine bottle of wine. You just open it and you just let it wash over you. It's so good. Um, hopefully, you'll get to see it someday soon, Cass. I'm determined to. So you, you I may you know have me. it on DVD. I may have it on DVD. Philly, if you see do if I, bring it, I'll yeah. see if I do. <laughs> uh, okay, so for my number three, uh, I'm going to my guy. Quentin Tarantino. Now I mold this over a lot and I flipped these movies more than twice. And I ultimately settled on my number three pick of reservoir dogs over Pulp Fiction. And I would like to clarify this. Okay. (laughs) I think Pulp Fiction is the better movie. I think Pulp Fiction is the more rewatchable movie, but I think when it comes to a straight up gangster movie, I think Reservoir Dogs is is the better depiction of life as a gangster because you've got all these kind of petty criminals, but what separates them is uh, they're a little organized. They're all obviously willing to kill. So these, these guys aren't just like bank robbers here. These are legit you know, gangsters. Uh, but to me, the setup and premise of that movie, I, I just was so enthralled with it. I still think to this day it's incredible. I remember the first time I watched it thinking that like, it was like you said, Bill, like a double double sided disc and I put it the wrong way and like I'm, I'm missing something because the movie yep. just kind of starts and you're at the coffee table with these guys. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're meeting at the warehouse and the job already happened. I love that setup of just not seeing the, the, the bank job go wrong. You get a little flashes of it, but it's it's the gangsters. It's the guys in the crew figuring out what the hell happened. Who's the rat? Who's the good guys? Who's going on? And then to me, just the dialogue of that movie is incredible. You've got the opening diner scene. You've got, uh, you know, the, the undercover cop story about telling his whole thing about getting, you know, taking a piss with the cops there with the, the weed on him. I mean, there's just so much great dialogue in that movie uh, that I ultimately picked that movie over Pulp because I don't think Pulp is a true full on the entire way through gangster movie. I could be wrong about that. I could be a little out there, but. It's a hot take. I'm sticking with Reservoir Dogs. I, yeah, I, I mean, think. Oh yeah, go ahead, Bill. 
I mean, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I, I ultimately, um, you know, dropped Tarantino earlier. I did not have any of his movies on my list for um, a couple different reasons. One, um, with Re- I do think Reservoir Dogs is uh, a gold standard of like what Tarantino was trying to do with shock, awe, twist, reveal, payoff, twist. Like, I mean, there's just a lot of things that happen in that movie. And there's a lot of, to your point, a lot of great writing. Um, you have an MVP cast. I, I don't think you can go wrong if you put those guys on, you know, in any movie. I mean, I think it just, they, they play off each other. You get, you know, the, the cop scene where you get his ear cut off. I mean, like the gasoline, like the whole thing, like, there's just so many twists. And I think like every, some, some great gangster movies, you need to have that scene where you want to close your eyes. And that yep. movie has that scene. And that is to me like that. I, I don't want to say that that makes it gangster quote unquote, but at the same time, like that movie did put you at a point where you were like, Oh my God, these guys have a ruthlessness to them. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Colton, what do you think? This is one of my favorite movies. Uh, one of my best favorite memories in my career was going to cover the 35th anniversary down at uh the beacon in 2017 i actually tarantino was sitting three rows behind me buscemi was right behind me um and that was just really cool i remember he was uh, he said that the best moment of his life was when he went to Kaitel's house for dinner and Kaitel did a reading of the script and he realized for like the first time that like a serious actor was treating his script seriously and from there, I think he gained so much confidence from that one moment. And you can just tell Reservoir Dogs is such a confident movie. There's no, there's no stopping in that movie. He has, he pulls out every trick and he pulls it out perfectly. Um, it's not on my list cause I went with Pulp Fiction, but there's definitely a great argument to be had here. And I like what you said, Kaz, uh, specifically about the fact that, you know, we see them in their normal day-to-day life and we only get little snippets of the actual robbery itself, which makes the argument for it being a gangster movie a lot better, I think, because we get the diner conversation. Like, that's an essential of any gangster movie. How many diners are in gangster movies, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're all over the place. We'll get to Goodfellas in a second, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, but so, I don't know where I was going with that necessarily. But, yeah, Reservoir Dogs, you're with these guys. You don't really see the job, so it's not like Ocean's Eleven where it's about the crime that they're committing. It's really about how they're interacting with each other and that violent, vicious dialogue. Uh, that Tarantino wrote all these years ago and that has kind of upended the movie industry ever since. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to get to different conversations, but yeah, let's go top two, Bill. What do you got, man? All right. Number two, I've got what I think is the perfect harmony of a guy who knows how to make great movies and getting some ammunition with an incredible actor. I'm going with snatch. I would go with Lockstock. I love Lockstock. I love Lockstock. I think Lockstock is one of my favorite movies. I think it it put guy obviously put Guy Ritchie on the map. Obviously, it led to other movies that I love, like Layer Cake, um, down the line. But I'm going with Snatch because I think it again it it took a very similar path to um, uh, to Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, but it combined a character with an accent and with a certain demeanor in Brad Pitt that I just think makes that movie not only an incredible kind of gangster movie and the idea of gypsies or pikey or whatever. Um, but also his performance as a boxer, bringing in some sports, we're talking gambling, you know, I think like all of the elements and, and obviously gambling was part of the first movie too, uh, with Lockstock. But I think the, 
and and the story about the pigs and how many you know human <laughs> bodies a pig can eat. I mean, like there's just like just great stuff. And and I think again, the reveal at the end is worth every minute that you could spend watching that movie. I don't care if you start it wherever it is, you could put it on on TNT or wherever. The end of that movie is worth the is worth any any journey. And you know, I think uh, I think that's that's number two on my list because I do think that that movie changed you know, or Guy Ritchie in a certain way changed my view of, of how you can make a fun gangster movie. Colt, what do you think? I love getting Guy Ritchie on here. I don't have him, but there's, I have no problem with, uh, his kind of like brash, you know, way of filmmaking and snatches definitely would be my number one from him. Uh, I do like the reference of the gambling too. Obviously this is a gambling show at its heart and center. And it, it pains me to think that casino might not get referenced by any of us. Uh, on this list, which is really bad, but I do love snatch. Um, I think it also points like, I think we've been kind of circling around this. It's like all the, these men or, and women in these movies are committing violence and they're going around in circles, but what is it all really for? And I think, uh, snatch beautifully depicts like the absurdism of, of that. It's just like, all of this is really for nothing. You know, we don't really gain anything. We're just kind of like clawing at each other through life. And then it, it's all to, to what? You know, what is it for at the end of the day? Yeah, Guy Ritchie's done just incredible movies. And, and I, I think it's probably unfair to call him like the the British Quentin Tarantino, but there, there's a lot of similarities to them. And what I think I love about Snatch is that it shows different levels of the gangster. You know, you've got your kind of street guys. you got the pikers who are a whole separate thing. But you kind of get to the top. You kind of get to the boss. Uh, and you get the Jewish, guys the Jewish uh, guys in Antwerp, the, the stone guys. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Benicio and, uh, stealing the stuff. Benicio. What's his name? Frankie Four, uh, Frankie Fourfinger. <laughs> like, yes. The, the character names are great, too. Um, and just an all-time Brad Pitt performance. You know, it's, yeah. You, you, could go, you could go with Lockstock. You could go with Lair Cake. They're all great. I actually, I don't think Lair Cake is, is him, right? I think that's it's one of the guys. Same, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it was a, someone who – I think was involved with the making of yeah, Snatch. Yeah, I think I think, um, I think he might have been a producer. Be Matthew Vaughn directed Layer Cake. Thank you, but yeah, and I think he might have been a producer great. on one of the other ones. But yeah, yeah, I I absolutely love having uh, a Guy Ritchie movie in here. Snatch uh, made my honorable mentions. It's on my number seven right now. Uh, excuse me, eight. It's my eight movie. So uh, you know what? I'm fine with that movie. I think it's a great pick. Want to keep All you guys right, on your toes. <laughs> What do you got for number two? This was an impossible choice for me because I think this is the superior quote-unquote gangster film, um, but I just have a personal connection to my number one a little bit more. Number two, I have to go with Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Uh, you know, Scorsese really, again, Casino, The Departed, uh, Mean Streets. I mean, this guy knows this genre probably better than anyone other than uh, Coppola. Um what is there to say about Goodfellas that hasn't been said? I mean, the the scenes, the classic scenes are just unbelievable. The Billy Bats killing and going to the mom's house. And then you've got, obviously, the, the heist and the killings after the heist. You've got the Copa nightclub scene. Um, everything. I mean, the, and we mentioned the diner scene with De Niro. I love the, the De Niro and Ray Liotta diner scene at the end. It's great. I love De Niro calling in the wife from the alleyway. Uh, everything with Man, De Niro in the, yeah. <laughs> everything with De Niro in the final 30 minutes of Goodfellas is so great. Uh, and obviously an all time Pesci performance. I mean, he's just going off the rails in so many different ways. Uh, but yeah, Goodfellas is just the classic. 
So many good uh, scenes. I'll go ahead and spoil this. This is my number one. Uh, we, we probably could have done this list with including Goodfellas on the exclusion list and just saying it's in there. Uh, but not only is this my number one gangster movie, this is my number one movie of all time. It is my favorite movie. I think it is the best movie. The, I mean, you said it, Colt, the amount of iconic scenes, but the other part of this to me is the amount of dark humor. And sometimes oh, it's yeah. dark. Sometimes it's just overtly funny. But the dark humor in this movie is so spot on the minutia of the daily life. I mean, you feel like from the very beginning of that movie that you are also with Henry Hill on this little like wave into the mafia. Like the ride up is incredible, but then they show the consequences. They, they show what happens when you don't follow the rules. When you kill a guy, a made guy like Billy Bats, there's consequences. So, all right, this is going to be controversial. I'm sure. All right, because I mean, I don't want to give away my number one, so I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Well, let's get to your number two, Kaz. Then I'm next, okay. so then we'll, we can get into my my take on Goodfellas after that. All right, because it's not my, so, it's not my number one, and I have a special oh, baby. Left, so. All right, we'll talk. We'll talk. So uh, this is also going to cause uh, a big debate, and I want to hear it. So my number two is Heat. Okay, I've got Heat on here. It's my number two movie, not just because of the cast. But some of the all-time moments, I mean, it gives you De Niro in a slightly different <laughs> viewpoint of some of the other gangster movies he's been in. I hear you laughing there, Coulter. We'll get there because I know you got a take on this one. But I like the idea that you got kind of the non-mafia version of De Niro, but he still got his crew. And the same thing. There's a hothead. There's Wayne Grill. There's Sizemore. There's all these little pieces. You got Val uh, Kilmer as this kind of fucked up guy. You've got degenerate um, gambler, degenerate. Gambler. <laughs> you know, that's what cost him. Um, what, why am I blanking on the guy? John Voight, uh, in there as well. So you've got Van Sant Vance. There's just so many characters in that movie. Uh, the, of course, epic shootout on the streets is in there, but, uh, and here we go again, a diner scene where you got Pacino and De Niro coming together. Uh, I just think it's great. And to me, what I love about Two. that movie is is what's his his motto the entire time? Never take a job that you're not willing to walk away from in 30 seconds if you feel per- the heat around the corner. Perfect and he breaks segue. his own rule. <laughs> All right, Colt, the hit. Does he break his own rule? Wait, but hold on. One one thing on that though, too, and not to not to play to the but like two solid female performances in this movie, too. Um both Yeah, she's great. Um and Kilmer's girlfriend is um Ashley Judd. Judd. Yeah. Ashley Judd. Sorry, and sorry, blank, but like two two good performances there, and also does get to the point of, you know, what will make you break your rules? Is is it a woman? I mean, does it, it does woman? it come down to that? Yeah, because Coulter doesn't he go back for her? He does. Doubles back. Yeah, yeah, he goes back. So like, that's what I love. Wait, about are you movie. talking about Edie? He leaves Edie in the car, and Eventually, Pacino's but facing he, him. Yeah, but he, he, he has to. Bail he goes back. after Wingro. He goes on a revenge mission to assassinate Wingro in the hotel. How does he but love he, he's so caught he's up in the love. love. He's in no, you're, you're no, right, no, no, but no, no. It's, it's, the same, it's the same concept. Bro, and that's all he cares about. <laughs> but I but I agree with you there because it's the same idea is that he should have just walked away, but instead he didn't follow his rules. And it's when you don't follow the rules in yes. the movies, bad shit happens. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. What ends up getting him killed is his obsession with killing Wayne Girl. I totally agree with you there, but he doesn't love Edie. He loves to get his revenge on Wayne Girl. That's what his true uh, love is. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, hit me with your take, Colter, because I know this is uh, controversial. All right. Yeah. It, well, this is just my way of 
trying to solve why Heat isn't on my list. But so this is how I justified it to myself. De Niro and Pacino in the movie together on the billboard together blinds all of our sensibilities. Uh, them being in the same movie, it has no roots to the mafia, despite our associations with the two lead actors and their previous and future work in gangster movies. So the De Niro Pacino argument, why this is a, a gangster movie, I'm going to throw that one right out the window. It does not matter what they've made in the past. It matters what they're making in this movie, right? We can all agree yeah. on that. If they're making yeah. a, a musical, it doesn't make, mean it's a gangster movie just because Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are in it. Okay. De Niro has too much discipline to be considered a gangster. He's not flashy. He doesn't even have furniture in his house. His ideal Friday night is reading stress fractures and titanium. <laughs> he is not somebody like Henry Hill. He's not going to be doing cocaine. He's There's nothing about him. He's not like Fredo. He's not going to go down to Cuba. This guy is all about business. Okay, number three. Similarly, he doesn't believe in having a family or settling down. He spits at the founding principle of any mob gangster movie like Bill was talking about in the town, how important is the family in the town? It's one of the pillars of any gangster movie. This guy hates the idea of having a family. The idea of a family is so overburdensome in the movie Heat that Pacino has shed himself of it three times. He's a three-time divorcee. And let's not forget that De Niro ultimately chooses to go have his cat and mouse game with Hannah and kill Wayne Grow over being with Edie and going to their private island. He is willing to discard anything, even his family, in 30 seconds. His closest gangster movie counterpart is Mr. Pink from Reservoir Dogs because he just does not give a shit about anything but the <laughs> job. This brings me to my final point. Nobody from the old country has that mentality. He's American, modern-made criminal. He has no ties or structure to the values and principles of previous generations of mobsters. This goes back to the previous point of De Niro playing a gangster in Godfather 2 and in uh, Once Upon a Time in America. And then finally, the subtext of my argument is in the tagline of the movie itself. It's an L.A. crime story. Crime story. This isn't about New York. West. Nobody is connected to anything. It's all about the city and how the city is lost. Like movie Collateral, people are just floating in L.A. There's no connection there. And that is why De Niro was able to fluctuate in this city and just kind of go in the ether and nobody is stopping him until Hannah finally notices him. Also, the phone call to Van Zandt. He's saying, what am I doing here? I'm talking to an empty telephone. If you compare this brazenness to Vito Corleone, how calculated he is in handling Barzini in The Godfather, even how Conway handles Henry Hill in the diner scene in Goodfellas, he is so overt and blatant with what he is doing. He throws Wayne Girl against a table in the diner. He he just doesn't care. He isn't he just isn't like uh, other gangsters. He's one of a kind. That's my Neil McCauley spin. Huh. Bill, look at you got a point there. What do you think? So I will say this. Um, I'm not a huge Michael Mann fan. Oh, Bill, you're killing me. <laughs> and I believe this is his movie, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, and I think that anytime one of the coolest things about your movie is that you use live gunfire to make the sound sound real is a little bit of an indictment on the fact that you made an action movie. And not to make, not to pigeonhole him and not to pigeonhole the movie, I do think it's a little bit more of an action movie. I mean, I, I, I find it to be... A little bit of a, and again, I like Heat. I think it's got it, it's got some great dialogue, and I think absolutely it is a depiction of gangsters. Um, I kind of am out of the, I don't know. See, I'm kind of on the fence on it though. Guys and Coulter, I gotta say, you made a very valid and lucid argument there, and I really can't <laughs> argue with any of it, except if I may direct you to rule number six: gangster movie does not need to be organized crime. That was the rule. 
So that's why yeah. I think it's on my list. And I, I have no feet to stand on because my number one movie here is Pulp Fiction, and that movie has no ties to family or the home country or any sort of thing uh, that I just mentioned why I defeated Heat. Uh, again, this was just a exercise in me trying to justify why I didn't have heat on my list because I <laughs> love heat very dearly, but I just, I couldn't do the, the new, just cause De Niro and Pacino are in it and it's a mob movie. It, I just don't think of it as, like that. I think of it as an LA crime saga with the emphasis on the word LA and the emphasis on the word crime. Okay. Well, fair enough, but give us Pulp Fiction because uh, <laughs> I, I tangled hard not, and I feel bad not including this movie, even though I think it's. Tarantino's best, but give it to me. Oh, I mean, Pulp Tarantino. Fiction. I mean, we just went, I mean, Snatch, uh, the the legacy of Pulp Fiction is in every movie that we see today, just like The Godfather. So I feel like it would be uh, wrong of me not to include it. I just think it's impacted every movie since it's been made. It's the most impactful movie of our lifetime. Um, I, narratively, the way that it's structured, I just think the way that uh, – Tarantino is unflinching in his vision. This is a movie that should make no sense, but if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's about nothing, but it's also about kind of everything. Um, and and like we've been saying, you know, with Reservoir Dogs and some of these other movies, and, and, and Snatch too, it's like you see the high and low. I mean, you see that there is a, a connected underworld of crime. You see the Marcellus Wallace and how he can fix fights, and he probably has connections we don't really spend too much time with them. We're not spending too much time with anybody because they're all kind of interconnected and in, uh, dispersed in this major city, LA. Again, the kind of theme of LA is that everybody can just go and come as they please and nobody's really noticing each other. Um, I just love the dialogue. I mean, I think the foot fucking master at the beginning, any exchange <laughs> with uh, Jackson and Travolta is phenomenal. Um, and then, I mean, it, there's obviously the part with Bruce Willis and his girlfriend where it kind of like tails off, I guess a little bit, but like ultimately you get an amazing scene with Bruce Willis and Bing Rames uh, inside Zed's shop. And so it's like every bit of dialogue is quotable in this movie. And I just love the way that it comes together all ultimately in the end, you know, uh, it starts in the diner ends in the diner. Um, I just love this movie. I mean, I'll, not, I'll be honest. We had a full on quote off uh, with Christopher Walken's story with the watch up the ass. I mean, we gave an, the entire performance the other day at the beach. I mean, there's so many quotes in that movie, but I got a fun little uh, little ditty for you to think about. Who do you think has more power in Pulp Fiction, Marcellus Wallace or Winston Wolf? Winston Wolf is like the uh, Mike from Better Call Saul. Exactly. Uh, but Marcellus Wallace still like the he's still like the Gus Spring. I think he's he has more yeah, connection. I think Wallace sends in Wolf. Yeah, yeah. that's what you that's what you, you, you assume in the movie. I, I would agree with you based on what I've seen, but I, I feel like Winston's got to have some other ties with some other people that he, you know he probably can pull more strings. But maybe Wolf Marcellus is the more more powerful. Boom! I think maybe or he, he gets the attention quicker than maybe Marcellus Wallace does. I don't know. But that's a good question. And I, yeah, you yeah. know, I that whole Pulp Fiction tangent without mentioning Harvey Keitel and how great Winston Wolf is. Great character. I mean, he's. He shows up for what, five minutes and just dominates. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. I should. I will. I will say too, like quotable movies, like it definitely hits the thing. Um, that that washing their hands scene um, in Tarantino's house is so good. Um, where you know he talks about you know you, you know you wash your hands, you don't wipe. You know it's just great. Yeah. Like, every moment of that movie works. I do think it's a chopper baby. I think that stuff is funny. Um, <laughs> I think it all it all comes together. I do think it lacks a little bit of the organization and some of the kind of normal tenets of a gangster movie because you don't really get to follow 
um, the story because the, the story is not important, right? I mean, the story is a gangster story, but what's important is the interactions between these people, how their lives come together, the things that they talk about, and how normal it all can seem at times when you're watching it. And you're like, oh my God, this is an incredibly violent and insane movie where it seems like two people just have the opportunity to talk about, yeah, why someone threw somebody else um, you know, off, a, off a roof about, about a foot massage. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like I said, I, I kind of covered it with my list. It's a great movie. I, I enjoy Pulp Fiction more than Reservoir Dogs, but I think it's a pure kind of gangster movie. That's, that's why I went on, uh, went with Reservoir Dogs, but I could be convinced either way and I'm fine with either way. You know, I don't think there's really a wrong answer there. I want the audience to know that I easily could have spent that same exercise I did with heat. I could have done with Pulp Fiction and, and, and came up with an argument where it's not actually a gangster movie. Cause if you think about it, uh, Vincent is wildly disorganized as a gangster. I mean, he's unlike any other gangster that's ever been depicted. You're talking about a guy who's arguing about a $5 milkshake yet. He spends $3,000 on madman heroin earlier in the day. So it's like, he's a walking <laughs> contradiction. And then you've got Samuel Jackson, he wants out of the life, you know, he's, he's completely, he just wants to wander the earth. So it's like, he's philosophical. He's completely checked out. Uh, he doesn't know what his life is going to look like after this diner scene, which I, you know, the more I rewatch it and I find it so fascinating, his character is just like, he's so content with just getting up off that diner and walking out and just let's see what else happens in life. Uh, I just have always like kind of loved that poetic end of his character. Yep. All right, Bill. You've been holding that. All right. What do you got? Number one pick. Well, I mean, I, I am maybe pandering a little bit to uh, the theme and topic uh, that I think we all uh, find near and dear to our hearts. But my number one's Casino. I think, you know, when faced with having to pick one movie per director, um, I think Goodfellas is a great movie. But here is my comparison between Casino and Goodfellas and why I ultimately went with Casino. And though I do think that Goodfellas as a movie and as a story um, the story of Henry Hill is probably more worth watching and was done better. I think that, A, the main character to me, I'd rather watch De Niro. I think watching Sam Rothstein in that movie is one of the most fun experiences that you can have in a movie. I think he is a gambler. He's a bookie. He's a guy who, you know, he's ace. I mean, like, it's it, it's every, it, it's the nostalgia and it's the joy. Like, when I was a kid and I thought about, like, what would it be like to go to Las Vegas? I grew up in Portland, Maine. What would it be like to see the bright lights? Like that was a trip to Vegas where you could see all of the things that you were like, man, this is the, this is the, um, you know, this is the Jay Z, you know, big pimpin of gangster movies, right? It showed the glamor. It showed the glitz. It showed the beautiful woman. The Sharon Stone role is awesome. I mean, her tipping guys and her, her game that she plays, um, Jimmy Woods and like, it had everything. I also thought it was a better Pesci performance personally. And again, I only say that because, there's two things. The Pesci kill scene with the pen is one of the best scenes that's, in my opinion, that's ever been in a gangster movie. When he te- when he when he asked him, "Do you want your pen back?" and he, and told my friend to stick this up his ass, and he kills him with the pen. And the, I mean, it's incredible. And then obviously his death in that movie is also an incredible, incredible gangster movie scene. I mean, just transcendent forever. And so I thought it was a better Pesci experience. I also enjoyed Sharon Stone more than Ms. Rocco. And I think that that's why I ultimately like Casino on top of those three things. I like the main character. I like the Pesci role. And I like um, the female role better in Casino than I do in Goodfellas. And I also think it painted that picture 
of gangster life that that seemed like it would be fun, right? It seemed like the cars, the money, the jewelry, that that's what it's all about. It's not about grinding it out with Henry Hill shaking diamonds out of someone's hair and heisting a, you know, an airplane hanger. It's about doing it right out in front of everybody where it's legal. Like, I mean, there's some lines that they're like, they're letting us do this. Pesci's like, can you believe this? Like they let me do whatever <laughs> I want. This is crazy. And that's what Vegas in my mind, like I've been to Vegas a couple times, but in my mind, that is Las Vegas. That movie is Las Vegas. And that's why I went with casino. Number one. I think it's just an incredibly beautiful movie. I think it's an incredibly complex movie. And ACE is just my guy. I'll save my thoughts. Coulter, what do you think? I thought that was an outstanding argument for casino. And I'm so happy that one of us got it on there. I was really afraid that we would do this list without casino. So Billy, you really did great work there in saving our ass. Um, I would agree full heartedly with uh, two points there that I think, Casino Ace is De Niro at his best. If I were to pick a De Niro character, I think I would choose Ace over Jimmy Conway over all of his characters. And I do think uh, I don't even think this is for debate. I think Sharon Stone is by far and away the best actress that Scorsese's ever cast in his movies, and Ginger is his best female character by a country mile. So I don't even think that's up for debate. Uh, so you definitely have made good points there. I just think again, Goodfellas just seems a little bit more lived in for me. Um, but I mean, Casino is very close. I mean, I mentioned my next five. Casino was six for me. Untouchables was seven. Departed eight. So it's like those movies are definitely on the. They're nipping at these other movies for sure. And and Casinos would would have made my list if we didn't have that stipulation for two directors. Yeah, and if we didn't have the director stipulation, this this arguably could have been my number two. I mean, it's it's an all time classic movie. I do agree with a lot of the points you said there. I think it is a better De Niro. I don't think that's up for debate. A better Pesci, you know, I, I don't think you're wrong, but I don't think you're right, if that makes any sense. You know, the, to me, they're both incredible. They're both really good. Yeah, yeah yes. and it's just, it's just that Casino shows him more unchained, if, that, yeah. if that's even possible. Yeah, yeah. You, didn't, you didn't even think that was possible after watching Goodfellas, yeah. but it's him just unleashed. Uh, but I love everything you guys said about Sharon Stone. I just think that her character dragged a little at the end. I just think, sure. you know, if you if you cut out 10 minutes of that Jimmy Woods, Sharon Stone. The safety deposit, yeah. You know, the like, safety deposit Jim, box scene was terrible, in my opinion. I thought it's in, totally in the movie. I get what they were trying to do. I don't think it really enhanced the story. Um, but again, when, like, I agree with you. And Bronco is incredible in Goodfellas. I'm not trying to take away from from what she did. When, when he, he wakes up with her with the gun in his face, like, there's, like, some incredible, incredible stuff that she does in that movie. But... I, I don't know. There, there is when that scene where Sharon Stone's like where they're kind of telling her backstory and she throws the chips in the air in the middle of the casino floor and it's slow mo and she's just like, it's just like I and don't that know, song too. Off. I forget what song's like. It's like yeah, meow, meow, meow. yeah, um, awesome. yeah. No, I, I'm with you. And I could say the same thing about Goodfellas. You know, I, I could say I could see why people say the end of Goodfellas drags with the the helicopter chasing them down and the the coke bust and like you know I I could see what people are saying uh, about that. But to me. There's just something about the, I, you know, Coulter, you kind of nailed the lived in quality. Like to me, yeah. Goodfellas feels more authentic, whereas Casino kind of p- painted a picture of maybe like, you know, something that was outside of my realm of possibility. Like I didn't think I was ever going to interact with anyone like that. But like growing up in the East Coast, like maybe you, you bumped into someone here or there, you know, you ate somewhere that felt like this. But uh, I'm glad that you picked that one. Uh, you know, I'm never going to speak a bad word about Casino. Like the music. I- is incredible. Yeah. One other thing just to, that casino didn't have. And I, as I thought about it was the, the, the De Niro 
part role in Goodfellas doesn't really exist in Casino. Like it, there wasn't like other than De Niro and Pesci, there wasn't like really much. Like they have a couple third fiddles that kind of flow through the movie. Um, but I did think like you got Don Rickles, Don Rickles. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we got we got Rickles. Then you have um, obviously um, Jimmy Woods his role. I mean, like there are some Pollock's in it a little bit. Yeah, Pollock's in it for a little bit as the as kind of the the shill uh, or the 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 main guy that they they put out in front of everybody. But but at the same time, like the cast in Goodfellas is is unrivaled in my opinion in almost any movie. Um, And I do think that that is one place where Casino it does sing a, a few notes that are they're kind of one tune. It's a lot of De Niro. Um, and it's a lot of Pesci, but, uh, well, I want to get it in there and it's, it's, it is my pro If I saw that movie on TV anytime, I'll stop and watch it. Good yeah. Day, I was on last kind of, night and, kind of I, and I jumped right into casino for at least 35 minutes and it was easily the best part of my day. <laughs> so I'm not I right would, there. So awful. I would love to have the wardrobe that De Niro got to rock. Yes. If, if, if I had every one of those blazers, the sunglasses, I, I, that'd be perfect. My co- totally my college fancy. buddy has a uh, poster of all the suits that he wore. So the poster <laughs> is just all the suits. Yeah, it's great. That's awesome. I read uh, number one, Cass. You know, well, my number one was Goodfellas, oh. and and I because oh, right, 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 yeah. Coulter said it too. But it you know if you want to give me a few more minutes on it, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, you know, just there's so much stuff. Even like to me, what makes it is the the side characters. Like even when uh, you know. When, when Henry's working at the pizza shop and the guy gets shot, he's like, you know, Henry, you're a real fucking asshole. You wasted 10 fucking aprons on that guy. It's like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, that's so funny twisted. And there's so many of those little throwaway lines that yeah. happen throughout that movie that to me, it's just, you know, the, the, the humor of it too. Like my sneaky favorite, almost underrated scene is after they kill Billy Bats and they go have dinner at Pesci's mom's house. You think nothing. You think they just came from like you know a little little company party. They're yeah. sitting there having their food. Uh, oh, is it a paw? No, it's a it's a hoof. It's a hoof. And then he brings out the painting. She's like, yeah, you know, one dog's going one way, one dog's going the other day. And this guy's saying, <laughs> what do you want from me? I mean, yeah. to me, those little kind of like conversations that they have to me, uh, to me in my head, that that to me is gangster movies. Uh, and yep. you know, there's there's equally good parts in in Casino, like when. Pesci's sitting there talking to the bank guys like, you know, I don't think you know what I do. He's like, I'll go to prison, but I'll come back. Love and that scene. You. And then I'll go back to prison because that's my business. Like, I yeah, mean. Yeah, so good. Uh, so, and the one director rule, it made it so hard because I, when I For initially sure. made my, my 10, I had four Scorsese in, in the top six. I mean, it's, it's yeah, you know. Great. I, and I got to say, you know, honorable mention, we all kind of threw it out there. Uh, the Departed to me is <laughs> is yeah. incredible i mean it's got it all too but uh i don't think it tops casino goodfellas so any any movies i had a couple that that as i was doing my some research and whatnot that popped out that i thought were kind of interesting takes um that i wanted to, i wanted to toss out to you guys that i don't i didn't know how to characterize them but were movies that i wasn't sure if they could fit one of them was american history x and obviously the a different type of gang and different type of world but that movie to me too like when I was, it came up on a couple of people's lists when I was like kind of looking around and stuff and, and doing some research. That was kind of crazy. Um, the other one was True Romance, which is one that I'm not super familiar mm. with, but that was a big one. Obviously, kind of a cult classic from from when we were younger. I haven't seen it in so long. I, I, I that was another interesting one that I saw pop up on on some lists. I love um, True Romance. True Romance. Is, 
Yeah, True Romance is very much in that snatch vein of you get to yep. see kind of all the different types types of characters in that. Uh, I definitely think True Romance works. I feel like American History X is like a little bit too much of like a brother family drama yeah. type movie, but I could be way wrong. I mean, you could say the same thing about Godfather, uh, which I actually did say earlier in the podcast. But I mean, there's just something more about that family dramatic element that makes me think that it's not as much of a gangster movie because it's like the town you kind of went off with the Ben Affleck and, and Renner energy. Norton doesn't have that kind of character in no. American history, at least not for the long term of it. And it's more about his relationship, you know, mending his own racial problems and frustrations and then yeah. trying to get his brother to see his viewpoint as well. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Cause I had a true full on comedy that almost cracked my 10. I have a comedy. I have comedy at 10, so you go first. So I'm going with Analyze This with De Niro and, and Billy Crystal because you, you get the De Niro gangster, but a huge wrinkle on it. So and Billy good. Crystal's there to, to provide the kind of comic relief. The scene at the end where they're all at the meeting and he's like, this is my yeah. consigla glaggy. He's like, Jelly comes in and goes, consigliere, and he slaps him. And, you know, just never in front of the family. You know, it's just, Jelly just so is so good. Jelly. Yeah, what have you got? Jelly's an all-timer. I had in Bruges, and so I was redoing Ooh. my list ten thousand times, as I mentioned, and I found in Bruges just kept getting closer and closer to my top ten, and then I finally was like, you know what, F it, I'm throwing it into my ten because uh, perhaps it's the most watchable one of these movies, a rewatchable. It's so fun and it's so concentrated, which makes a difference than some of these other movies. Uh, it's kind of like got that Training Day element to it, where it's just like very focused in one setting with just a few characters over a very short span of time. But I, I love that movie. And I mean, those guys are definitely gangsters. Uh, and Harry's clearly connected to some sort of organized crime in London. So there's like a bigger, darker picture. Um, I kind of like that too, about these movies, like Pulp Fiction. It's like, if you keep pulling at the threads, how far deep down does it go? You know, like where does Marcellus's connection go in Pulp Fiction stuff like that? Yep. So it's like yep. these movies so, that are ambiguous about how deep the crime world is are always fun to play with. So yeah, I, I had one too. Um, I, I guess I consider it a comedy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys is get shorty, um, get shorty with Tremendous and shorty works for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, was, is, is always one of my favorite movies to kind of dip into, uh, obviously, um, you know, it's got some really funny qualities. It does have a little bit of LA in it. So it's got a little bit of everything going on. Um, but, but yeah, that's always, uh, always a fun one. Um, when I think of different, you know, kind of different gangster movies. Absolutely. It didn't come up on, on your lists or anything, but I wanted to get your opinions. Did, did I do a good job analyzing why usual suspects doesn't qualify? Or are we just canceling it because of Spacey or what, like, where do we fall in this movie? Cause it's like an all time great movie. And, and I just don't know where we, where where uh, we discuss it now in 2020 just real quick to be honest i didn't have it on my list until someone mentioned it at the beginning and then i was like oh my god i was like i didn't really even think about usual suspects as a traditional gangster movie and i i, I mean from a movie perspective yeah i mean it's it to me it's one of my favorite movies of all time so that was an interesting wrinkle i do agree with you that like it is it, it does feel like oceans 11 to me i mean to a certain extent right it's a bunch of guys who are criminals coming together and not that like yeah, the lineup seems that lineup way. is just like them getting the team together in Ocean's Eleven. Right. At least with Heat, those guys knew a lot of those guys knew each other. Right. They're bringing in some outsiders. Like, but like a lot of those guys had worked together. They'd worked jobs together. So like that movie was, and like I just felt like with in Ocean's Two, I guess maybe like they had relationships in the past. But but um, but yeah, to me, I think I think Usual Suspects when thinking about it is a little bit more of a pull a job type, and also a cop movie. I mean, I think you know obviously the the 
it's a huge scene in the police precinct, um, which is one of the best scene, you know, parts of the movie. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I agreed with you on, on, on suspect. Yeah, Coulter, I'm, I'm with you because, you know, that falls. Like I said, rule number six doesn't have to be organized. Uh, but for whatever reason, something felt different about that movie. And I think, Bill, you said it felt more like pulling a job. I mean, it, almost, not even also, too, with just pulling a job, but almost like a mystery of who is Kaiser Soze. Like, it, it to me, remains one of the great plot twists and endings. Like, I, I remember being absolutely floored by that movie, unlike any movie I've really seen before, uh, and still to this day since. Um, and it still remains there. I, I got to be honest, I haven't rewatched it since all the spacey shits come out. I don't know if that would affect my take on the movie or not. I, I don't think it should. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys an end of podcast take. It doesn't. I rewatched it. It yeah, still so. holds up. And yeah. I think it's one of the worst outcomes of all this is that we have to cancel a great movie just because one demonic person is in it. I will also say that one of the reasons why I didn't get the spacey feel is he's not as creepy in that movie as he is in some other movies, which yeah. I do feel, especially in of the Netflix show, it's like run out of my head. I can't even think of what, House whatever. Of cards, it was. Cards. Yes. Like there, he doesn't have that like feel in, in, in usual suspects, obviously maybe until the very end when he walks off. Um, so I do think there's a vulnerability of his role in that movie, which did not make me think of like horrible Kevin Spacey. So I think that was part of it. The, the one movie that I tried to fit in there was a kid's movie, which I am interested in your take Dick Tracy. Ooh. It's a, it's 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 a bit about obviously the uh, private eye or whatever detective, but there are a lot of cool callbacks to gangsters in that movie. There's a lot of interesting Tommy guns and all this other stuff, and that was a movie that came up to me uh, also when I was kind of thinking of some of those fringe out outside the box uh, gangster movies. That was that was kind of funny to think about. I like Dick Tracy. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, and to go the Tommy gun route too. Uh, Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. clearly, I have a prohibition thing. I, I didn't even realize until <laughs> I was doing my top five. But yeah, Road to Perdition is a great movie for those who haven't seen it, and kind of its sister in this gangster genre, I think, is the movie that just came out most recently, and that's The Irishman, because these are yep. movies that are kind of reflective. Uh, you know, they're kind of looking back at the entirety of of life in the mob. Um, Obviously, Road yeah. to British, and he's a little bit younger than they are in The Irishman, but I think it's it's doing the same thing where it's definitely very reflective. All that, all big, those years spent killing people. Big fan of both those movies. Well, gentlemen, this was a ton of fun. We are well equipped to be talking gangster movies. <laughs> I think we got, I think we got some great lists. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, man, Coulter. This was great. I think this is going to be a good episode. Okay, we're going to put it out, and I'm going to actually put our list out. See uh, if Twitter can vote and see, uh, you know, whose, whose list is best, <laughs> but thanks gentlemen. Uh, this is a great episode. Thank you. And, uh, we'll, we'll see everybody next week on double down Trent. Baby, look at me, look at me, your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.